see right now, without LeBron, Lakers are, are struggling. Let me tell you about a team I hate, all right? I know the Dallas Cowboy fan is here, so I had to make sure he knew how much I hate this Oh, team. I'm ready. I've often said that the people who run baseball, they try very hard to ruin it. I'm not Brooklyn. I don't have a problem saying it to his face. Oh, Brooklyn. Hey, isn't he? This is a presentation of Northeast Streaming Sports. Just barely. <laughs> yep. And today we're going to discuss releases and free agencies. Free agents. Yeah. Well, actually, we are expecting the guest. I sent him the link. Um, just waiting to see if he comes on or if he has any issues. Then I can uh, go help him with that. Yep. Uh, so... Other than that. And like I said, other than that, we're, we're basically... Uh, lost we're lost <laughs> really yeah <laughs> well i mean you said you want to talk about free agents let's talk about free agents well yeah we'll, well let's give him a few minutes to to kind of catch on <laughs> um or catch on come on whatever i'm uh, yeah it's been okay. it's been one of those, it's been one of those weeks well, I'm still having this issue, as you could tell. I've got like headphones and wires everywhere. I can't hear anything through this, but the microphone works. I don't know why. I can hear everything else, but this. So I've got this so I can hear you, and this so you can hear me. And my phone's, I, I look like Frankenstein over here. I got all the wiring. And yes, uh, that actually is one of the free agents is no longer. Free agent, maybe. Honestly, I watched the Ring of Honor pay-per-view, um, and I was confused because it was supposed to be the end of an era. Okay, if it's the end of an era, you're continuing storyline. I mean, not just Braun Strowman, but Deanna Perrazzo showed up from Impact, and FTR showed up from AEW. Yeah, we might get the FTR versus... The Briscoe, oh god, that's going to be good. And it's probably going to happen at Battle of the Belts, the next AEW Super Show that's going to be on TNT. Yeah, but I mean, hey, I'll take that wherever I get it. The Briscoes yeah. versus the FDR—that's going to be good. And Deanna challenged the Ring of Honor Women's Champion Roxy 
Um, and that match will probably happen more than likely in Impact. And it will be after Hard to Kill. Yeah. You know, I don't know what's going on with wrestling right now because they've done this in the WWE. Uh, we had the exit of uh, Kyle O'Reilly and Johnny Gorgano. Yet, both of them being an exit. Hey, and there he is. Oh, did you get the link on TikTok? You might have to send it through Facebook, bro. I don't have him on Facebook. Uh, <laughs> but I don't have to Oh, but yeah, they they really continued and started up two feuds with them. I, let me see if I could do this this way. Do you want me to send it to him on Facebook really quick? Well, yeah, if you want, if you want to do that, that works. He's headed to his TikTok now. Okay. Yeah, actually, that is something we needed to uh, we we should put out here as well. Uh, recent reports are stating Hogan is not doing well. I haven't heard anything about Hogan. I've been too focused on everything with Kevin Nash appearing at GCW. Uh, <laughs> And, and he's already torn a pectoral muscle. And everything with the Ring of Honor and everything else that I'm dealing with right now. <laughs> well, the going... Nick, nasty Nick is in the chats, people. Hey, Nick. But the going report with Hogan is that uh, his health is rapidly declining. Um. He's went from where he's had to have canes and crutches to walk to now he is not able to walk without assistance, Ooh. like physical assistance. So we're looking at, uh, like I said, a pretty rapid decline of Hogan's overall health. Yeah. Um, so uh, if you want to go back to the Ring of Honor pay-per-view, um, there there was a scheduled match to take place, but Bandito unfortunately caught COVID. He's the current Ring of Honor World Champion at the time. Um, so they went back to the original Ring of Honor World Championship, and there's a new Ring of Honor World Champion in Jonathan Gresham, which I think is going to set up for a match between Bandito and him to determine who will be the undisputed Ring of Honor Champion. Yeah, very well could. And, of course, again, that leads to that ultimate what's going on, <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. How, you know, oh, you're, oh, yeah, you're putting stuff up. See, I was doing it from this end, too. I can put stuff up. I just not realize that. Um, yeah. So there's that. And, dude, wrestling has really gone crazy recently. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I don't really get what, what they were doing with. I mean, I know Johnny Gorgano really is wanting time off because he's got, you know, the baby coming in February. But to set up stuff up and him leaving, I don't get that. I think he's taking time off to be a dad for a little bit. He's going to come back and I guess continue the feud with Grayson Waller. All right, now we have Anthony in. Bring him into the stream. Welcome. How you doing, Anthony? Hey, what's up, guys? How you doing? All right. Oh, we're good. Good, good. 
Just talking about the Ring of Honor pay-per-view from last night. Yeah, I didn't get a chance to see it, but honestly, I have so many friends who have been watching it that I've heard several things. Um, most importantly, I heard about Jonathan Gresham winning the Ring of Honor championship. Yeah, and like I said, Bandito is, from from what I know, I think he's still the current Ring of Honor champion. And I think that what they're going to build up is Gresham and him to determine who will be the undisputed Ring of Honor champion. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and that would honestly be a great way for Ring of Honor to return, uh, especially with a main event, because you know they promised to return. Was is it the first quarter of next year, if I'm not mistaken? So uh, yeah, April, right. I do believe. And so, um, you know, it's kind of it's it's strangely enough, it's almost like a 90 day clause in a in a different kind of way. Because a lot of times WWE puts those things in place to try to make sure that the people that they release, that the buzz has died down. So they kind of start fresh. And uh, yeah. with Ring of Honor, this is different because people, Ring of Honor is kind of taking somewhat of a backseat to fledgling organizations and impact when they actually do things well in spurts. So, um, but the interest will still remain with Ring of Honor and people are really going to anticipate them coming back. Yeah. And honestly, uh, at the end of the pay-per-view last night, because I did watch it on Honor Club, um, there was a promo that showed it said the end of one era, only the beginning of another, and it said 2022. So who knows what's going to happen now? Yeah, that's true. Um, and, uh, I mean, just just the things that are happening in WWE as far as free agency, who's to say that all that's happened is all that will happen. You know, a lot can happen exactly. in three months. Oh, yeah. Exactly. And actually, I, I mean, with pulling up the list of free agents, I can't believe they re- released 80 this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's probably the most number. releases that they've had is 80. Yeah. Um, and, and everybody's got speculation as to what's the reason why that's happening. But that's still a huge, unusually high turnaround or turnover as far as yeah. well, uh, wrestlers being released. Well, honestly, if you really want to look at it as a business, with Vince having a board to answer to, that could be the reason why. Because they're looking for people who are just hitting their stride and hitting like their 20s and 30s. Right. They're not looking for people who are like 40 and 50. Yeah. And that makes sense because, I mean, uh, for a while, I mean, that has been in place for a number of years but for a while it was like just 30 we want people who are no older than 30 years old now they're taking it and going even younger because that's that may be indicative of some of the people that they're releasing like some of the people they're releasing have um and and some people i know that have gone to wwe are in their 30s mid to late 30s just finally getting the opportunity to do what they want to do and so now you're thinking all right they've had all these years on the indies you know, they're about to hit middle age. Who knows what kind of uh, toll that, you know, all that struggling and stuff is taking on their bodies and stuff. So now when they finally get here, there's no way in the hell we're going to be able to get five or six years out of them because they wow. may have already reached that peak somewhere else. I mean, right. and like recently with Jeff Hardy, he's 44 years <clears throat> old, mm-hmm. you know, and like I know people are speculating that, you know, well, it's not really speculation because he did refuse rehab. Um, but 
who knows if the medication or whatever he's taking isn't for his pain. I mean, look at what he's done through his entire career. Yeah, that's true. And um, I was talking, I know I was talking to somebody a while back and I just, I really thought about the timeline that Jeff has been in WWE. We're talking about somebody who was really getting his feet wet during that attitude era. And we've had at least two or three generational eras between then. And so, like, if you just look at his track sheet, I mean, how many people do you know have held um, are are still wrestling that have held the European Championship or the WWE Light Heavyweight Championship? Like, seriously. And are still doing it on a big level. Yeah, exactly. So, um, I don't know. It's it's, um, with Jeff, I really wish that there was something where he would have finished his career in WWE. Because I think if he does what everybody's speculating him to do, and that's go to uh, AEW, he'd be a nostalgia act. Yeah. There'd be yeah. genuine interest in what he does, because, of course, the fans are going to gravitate toward him because he's Jeff Hardy. But at this point in his career, there's, I mean, it's just kind of like it just you just have him there because he draws and appeals to yeah. a certain segment. You know, that's yeah. I was looking at that with the... Um, Hardy, I think I could really only see him being useful as kind of a Hardy Boy reunion versus a Young Bucks for maybe one good feud for two or three months. And then after that, it's going to be exactly like the rest of them and just kind of fade off into obscurity in the opening match or on AEW Dark or Dark Elevated or whatever, you know, one of their other shows they got on YouTube. And that's and, really uh, a big problem with AEW. And actually, uh, Sean chimed in here, and he said that he had his second match against Razor Ramon at 16. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And Sean's he, an encyclopedia. And at the time, he was an enhancement talent. Him and Matt mm-hmm. both were. I think Matt had a couple of matches on on an early roll, and so did Jeff Hardy. Yeah, that's... I mean, just just looking back at his career to see he's been doing it so long and everything. And, you know, everybody, well, you know, Jeff Hardy gets chance after chance after chance and all that kind of stuff. But it does not take away from the fact that people still want to see him. Right. He's been a mainstay in the in wrestling period for (laughs) what close to 30 years. Yeah. Yeah. And here's the thing. It, Jeff really hasn't taken time away from wrestling other than injuries. You know what I'm saying? Right. The only time he really took a long sabbatical away from wrestling was whenever he broke his knee, whenever he was doing his motocross stuff. Right. And that was in, I think, 2015. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the only real time that he's taken away has been injuries. He hasn't really taken time away for himself mentally. And that's a lot of the problem with what happened at the infamous victory road. He was so messed up and peeled out of his head on Somas that he didn't know what he was doing. Yeah. And that's, that's the bad part about being a wrestler. Like I know a lot of guys who, uh, who, when, when I was like running strong, who are still out there, just, just doing it. Just, and the thing is like a lot of times people will say, especially if you just have a job, they always tell you, you know, if it's something that you're doing, even when you retire from a job, find something to keep you active because it, you start to go down and you start to lose the, you know, just cognitive things or things that you, you know, do on a regular basis. And so there are a lot of guys in wrestling on 
the on the high on the upper levels and even on the lower levels that are just doing it simply because they fear that you know they it's as soon as they stop it's a steady decline it's a steady yeah. decline like we we you, you guys spoke about hulk hogan and his health problems and everything he's going through a lot of people talked about hulk hogan and his five moves of doom yes he did have five moves that he relied on just north american wrestling but a lot of people don't talk about the punishment that man took for years and years and years getting slammed. There are tons of house shows that never get acknowledged that Hulk Hogan was on where he was getting thrown on the floor, on a mat, getting picked up, slammed. And at an advanced age is finally really starting to take a toll on. Well, you know, even looking at that leg drop, you just think that much weight falling down on your butt three, four hundred times a year. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I, mean, uh, I, I mean, think it was Randy Orton that pointed out that you know when at the start of his career was he was like six seven six eight, mm-hmm. he's six Something three like now. Yeah, it's it's compressed yeah. him that much. Yeah, yeah. The RK, and you yeah, think the it's RK a leg RK drop? Old, yeah, and and like these moves that they pull off in that ring, dude, it takes a lot of practice to pull that stuff off. And trust me. I know what it's like to train. I've actually been in the ring and I trained. Oh, it's not fun. Yeah, uh, I and, believe I'm not wrong. Anthony, you're a 16 year veteran in it. Correct. Yeah, I've and, been uh, keeping up with you on TikTok and trying to find out more information. Uh, of course, you were in Georgia now and trying to get you a little bit of support for the award you were up for. Yeah. I don't yeah. know how that worked out. Actually, I've missed that. <laughs> Yeah, um, I actually I, I was nominated for two different awards. I didn't win any of them, but um, I, I appreciate all the votes and everything that people uh sent out for me. I, I really do appreciate that. But uh, just just getting back to Hogan and talking about his leg drop, I'll tell you something that was really strange. I wrestled a couple of this just some years ago, and I was working a guy, and he was beating me up in the corner. And when he hit me, uh, he hit me, and I took like an ass bump. And so when I took it, it was in the corner, like one of the hardest parts of the ring. And so I didn't feel anything for a while. And so after the match, um, wound up going out to eat and everything. And like my tailbone was killing me. I couldn't even take my shoes off that night. (laughs) So just taking that kind of bump, like just ass first. And then Hogan, I mean, of course, there's a certain way that you do a leg drop. It's not all in your butt or nothing like that. But just for him to be doing that year after year, night after night, the shock that travels yeah, up your spine has yeah. got to be. I was about to say, wouldn't it jack up your spine doing a leg drop constantly? Yeah, yeah definitely. And, Most and definitely. That, look, that Hogan leg drop was his finisher for what? He did that forever. Yeah. yeah. I guess he since he became in, Hogan. He did it in the AWA, he did it in AWE, and he did it in WCW. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he uh for a while like his his clothes his clothesline was the finish of his. They called it the axe bomber, but then ultimately he wound up going to the leg drop. And a lot of old timers used to beat him up about it. Oh, he's that leg drop is just blah 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 blah. But it just it speaks to the power of wrestling. You know, it speaks yeah. to the power of. Well, I mean, at that time, simple moves like that could be a finish. You know, yeah. a side. I mean, a side headlock could be a finish. Hmm. Yeah, you know, I mean, if it's if it's protected enough, a side headlock could be a finish. Bob Backlund won the WWE Championship with an atomic drop. 
You know, yeah. <laughs> what else can you say? Didn't uh, didn't Ivan Putsky have a bear hug? He had a bear hug and he had the Polish hammer. I, I knew it was one of those two. Yeah, but yeah, that was uh, there's I mean that's that's just indicative of how far wrestling has come or how many years have passed since we could have something a reliable finisher. You know, right? Yeah. Well, like, a lot of people seem to forget that, like the uh, the sleeper hold, that was a finisher. DDT, yeah. guys, Jake Roberts for years. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at a uh, look at uh, look at PD Williams and that Canadian Destroyer. That was a finisher for so long, and now it's a setup move. Yep, and that's a shame with that one. Yeah, well, even something as simple as the super kick was because Chris Adams introduced that, or you know. I won't necessarily say necessarily say introduced it, but you know, he kind of perfected it where it was a finishing move. And now, you know, you need a scoreboard to keep up with how many times the young bucks and the Usos throw a kick. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I mean, it seems like every match is a super kick. <laughs> yeah. Well, everybody right. uses it. Even like you go into like the young bucks, the Usos, uh Dolph Ziggler. It's a setup for him now. Adam Cole. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know they're all I it's mean, just a I mean, setup move. If you look at Adam Cole's PWG time and Ring of Honor, his entire arsenal was super kicks. <laughs> like yeah. it was a super kick, super kick, super kick, super kick, Panama Sunrise, super kick. It's over. <laughs> yeah, that was literally it. Hmm. Yeah. That's. I mean, this <laughs> Roderick Strong's whole thing is backbreakers, and he's got a God knows how many variations of them. Uh, uh, the last one I seen him do was in Ring of Honor, and it was one I've never seen. He pulled him off the rope and still hit the backbreaker, <laughs> which was really cool. I never seen that before. That's mm-hmm. the first. That's the, that's like the last time I saw a really cool backbreaker. Yeah. <laughs> so Andrew, there are a, a lot of uh, free agents in play. And yeah. as uh, we have seen that Braun Strowman now kind of has a DB with Ring of Honor. Of course, Bray uh, Wyatt has said he's doing movies right now. He hasn't got Aaron anything Cross really. Doing whatever. movies too. So. Oh, he's doing movies too. Yeah. Out of he's the actually, guys uh, in play. He's actually, starring, he's actually starring, I think, in a horror movie that's coming out next year. Well, it kind of makes sense a lot because he's already got kind of that built-in hard thing. If you look at his entrance and and his character set up in NXT and in uh, Impact, where he was, you know, Killer Cross there, and then it kind of brought in the same vibe and rhythm to NXT. Yeah, but out on there, out of the free agent pool, I guess you'd say, what is the one person you think is kind of the little bit of the shock from the WWE and the one you're just waiting to see where they go. Oh gosh. <laughs> That's a lot. Um for me it's a shock, but I kind of think that at this point they really didn't have much choice. And it would have to be a tie between Keith Lee and Karrion Cross. And the reason I say that is because I feel that both guys got moved up too fast off the uh, 
off the main roster. Uh, well, from, from NXT to the main roster. And um, once that happened, I think that they were mishandled, like really mishandled. And yeah. um, I, I mean, it's, it's just like between both of them, so much potential had they let them stay and develop their char- characters a bit more because it seemed like NXT Championship, that's the zenith. Now, a month removed, we we bring you to the main roster. And um, at those releases shocked me because it just seemed like that was the only thing they could do at that point. Like, they could not salvage those guys' characters from what they'd yeah. done with them. Now, the, now the main <clears throat> one for me that shocked me, aside from Keith Lee and Karrion Cross was um hit row yeah because i mean they brought him up to the main roster only to release him a week and a half later yeah i think that was i think that was more cost cutting and uh that's the one thing about just working in just just any business um releases suck layoffs suck i've worked and been laid off twice you know just working in America with yeah. fairly good jobs. Uh, one in a management position and one in just where I had like the second biggest office in, in the building and got laid off. And a lot of times it's just a cost cutting uh, uh, action that happens, um, clearing overhead. Um, the money I was making was part of the reason I got laid off. Um, and so now it gives companies an opportunity to take somebody who has the same amount of experience that I have, but has not worked in the company and go bring them in and pay them less. But with WWE, it's a lot different because once again, they're starting to invest in more athletes from, you know, diverse backgrounds who are in their twenties that they can get at least 10 years of work out of. Yeah. Now, do you see really the age being a lot of the factor in some of the recent cuts? I do. I really do because I think a lot of people are waiting on Vince to just, you know, they, they're waiting on his swan song. They're waiting on Vince to leave. They're waiting on him to be done with WWE. I think what has kept him in business so long is forecasting and forward thinking. And so while AEW is hot and independent wrestling is hot, he is in his in his mind setting up for something to happen, even if it's small, something that, you know, maybe a misfire by AEW or misfire by another organization to the point where it has a trickle down effect on that organization. It may not completely wipe them off the face of the planet or anything, but it does damage so much to the point where now eyes are on WWE and we have people who are ready and who can, you know, grab your attention, hold on to it, and you can watch what we're doing. Now you have something to follow. So um, I do think age has a lot to do with it because and WWE wants to invest goes, in their product. And also it could go into that theory that me and you talked about with all these guys going to AEW and getting that WWE money, is it a way for Vince to put them out of business before they really start taking off more than they already have? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, 
some of the guys who are going to AEW that have had long careers and stuff. Um, Adam, Cole, I mean, not Adam Cole, but uh, Brian Danielson and CM Punk are both 22 year veterans and are in, you know, early to mid 40s. So who knows what you can get out of them? Like right now, the buzz is cool. The buzz is yeah. great. And uh, but after the buzz dies, which it always does, no matter who you are, um, you know, what's left, what's left. Um, you got a great chance to do great things with Adam Cole because he's still in his early 30s. He has, you know, some years under him. He's, you know, been wrestling more than 10 years. I think he's been wrestling like 13 years, but he's still in his 30s. So you can still get, you know, a lot out of him. And yeah. also keeping a, a, a fair um, amount of interest in developing young talent because those are the guys yeah. that are going to define the company. Yeah. Now, Absolutely. did any of you guys see Hook's debut on Rampage? No. <laughs> I haven't, but I've heard nothing but great things. It was really good. I'm actually interested to see what they do with him. I mean, yeah, it was his first match. And, of course, it's nepotism because it's Taz's kid. Um, but I kind of enjoy this stuff. It kind of reminds me of Taz from ECW. Yeah, I kind of um, – from what from what I've heard, I've heard nothing but good things. And I can't wait to just really watch it for myself, you know, free of bias and just take it in and, you know, make my own judgment. Um, as far as nepotism goes um, – I think that uh, one of the worst things that's happening in the AEW right now is um, pushing Arn Anderson's kid too fast. Way too fast. Yeah, I can agree with that. I didn't even know he had a son that was wrestling, and then all of a sudden he's there. Yeah, <laughs> he <laughs> really is. He um, he is super green. He's he's really green. I I would have loved to seen him go off. And do some indie stuff somewhere else. And then maybe there's a question as to, you know, why isn't he in AEW? Why isn't he in AEW? And then when that buzz reaches a fever pitch, he'll be ready. And then you can bring him in, even at a lower level, but in some capacity. Because right now, he's just not ready. He just doesn't have the experience. I don't even think he had a dark match. I think he went straight to Dynamite. Yeah. Yeah, there's there are a lot of intangibles that come through experience, and, and trust me, he may have been drilled with technique and how to do moves and all that kind of stuff. But things like timing, um, reading the crowd, knowing when to do stuff, all those little nuances come with experience, and he just doesn't have it yet. Yeah, you know that's something me and well, Mike and Nelson Mania here have talked about a few times. It seems like when the territory days kind of ended. And we start calling it indie sing now, but there's not really that chance for you to, to cut your teeth. It's like a lot of people just get moved right into a mains and they're and they're not ready for it. You know, you can even look. Uh, I know character wise, he's not, but like take someone like Seth Rollins when he first came into the WWE, he was good. There was no denying that. Right. In ring, he's better now. You know, his in ring style, he is he has gotten it to where it's an art now. 
But again, he's one of those that he didn't really have that chance of going to this place and going in front of live crowds and, and touring and doing it. And okay, this works, that doesn't. And like you said, reading the crowd, knowing when they're behind one thing or, or against it. And that's really hurt a lot of wrestlers. And like with, uh, Arn, I don't even, can you remember his name, his son's Brock, name? Brock Anderson. Brock, Brock Anderson. Brock Anderson. Yeah. I, it was one of, like I said, just all of a sudden he turns up and it's like, oh, he's, he's a wrestler now. It's like, I hadn't, yeah. like, I didn't even know he existed. <laughs> <laughs> and we're talking, the, I'm, I'm the old WCW NWA guy of the group. You know. Yeah, I'm the attitude era guy. So <laughs> <laughs> it's just I mean, like I said to me. It just seems like it is hurt not being able of, to get that live experience. Yeah, mm. it's kind of like where me and you was talking about on the phone before, where it's like a comedian. He does his A material. It works in one town, but it don't work in another town. So what do you do? You gotta change things up. That's the that was the thing with some of the with most of the territories, especially in the southern belt region. You had to change up your material every week because they ran weekly. Now up in like New York and stuff like that, I think it was like monthly or bi-monthly during the territory system. I'm not sure exactly when they ran. It depended on the territory. Hmm. Well, the big one. Well, the big one. WWWF. I think ran bi-monthly. Uh, depend. I think it was every two to three weeks, depending on the town. They ran through New York. They would do shows occasionally around Boston, but they were just in yeah. that northeastern area, and they yeah. didn't yeah. really come out. But of it. like throughout the southern belt of the territories, they ran weekly. I mean, Memphis every Monday night they ran weekly, <laughs> and you had yeah. to change up your stuff, or people just didn't like you. Now, again, going back to these releases, and this is going to be the, the touchy slash taboo subject part of it. I, and I don't want to say, like, you know, it's it's bad to hear anyone losing their job. You know, I, I don't care if you've got $10 million in the bank. It's never a good thing. Right. But out of this <laughs> list, is there one name that really stands out that says this was a long time coming? Hmm. Nia Jax. <laughs> I'm sorry, Nia Jax. <laughs> oh man. Um I I'd have to go back. That that would be the immediate one. A lot of people didn't think she would get released based on her because of nepotism. Right. You know, a lot of people yeah. think didn't think she would. Um gosh, I'd have to go back and look at everybody who had been released. But as far as, yeah, I, I I probably go with that one. I probably go with that one. Yeah, I mean because and the reason why that kind of caught me off guard is because she's related to that Samoan family. I think she's yeah. the Rock's what third, fourth cousin. Now she's his um, second cousin, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Um, no, I think they. I I forget how it goes. But I, I'm not sure it's, if the it, rocks. It's, a, it, it's all kinds I, of confusing. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> I'm I'm not sure if her dad and the rocks' mom are brother and sister, but I know her and the rock are like really close cousins. That I do know. Yeah, yeah. And that you're absolutely too. right. I I never thought I would see her released. I her I figured she's going to keep dodging it because of yeah, he, Vince has got very strong ties to that 
to the uh, Anoa yeah. and the Maivia family. Right. And it's just that's something he's not going to take lightly. For whatever you could say, but he is he is dedicated. When he picks his people, he's dedicated to them. Mm-hmm. Ty, you know, beginning to end. That and, one kind of kind of caught me off guard, considering the fact that she's the Rock's cousin. I right. thought she was going to be there for a minute, but honestly, it didn't really surprise me, considering mm-hmm. how she's hurt so many people. Yep. Yeah, she is. Super reckless, super reckless. And um, it's just like, even we talked about Hogan's leg drop. Hers is like one of the worst I've ever seen. Like Yokozuna had a better leg drop than she did. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like her her leg drop looked like an ass slide. Yeah. And like, I don't know if she like meant to actually break Becky Lynch's face, but she broke Becky Lynch's face. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, like, and she, like, I think concussed Kyrie Zane and chased her out of the company. Mm-hmm. Um, question, what's going on with Asuka? Is she released or is she still under the she is. contract? I think I'm, I was under the impression that she still is recovering because she had some deal with her arm or something. Hmm. She, last time I saw she had her arm in a the sling. They so actually have started running. running commercials with her in it now. Oh, okay. Okay. So usually when they start doing that, they start refreshing the memory, and then it's like, oh yeah, and they'll bring her back in. But as far as I know, she's still under contract, but was pretty severely injured. Right. You know, needing operations and, and that thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was trying now, to here's my, look through now, here. Now here's my question: I wonder who's going to be released from AEW or if no one's going to get released from AEW. Hmm. And if you were to release somebody, who would it be? I don't... At this point, it would be kind of hard for me to say release somebody from AEW because they're still trying to find their feet. As they come up with more media outlets like uh, AEW Dark and AEW Dark Elevation and things like that. It's like they're putting things in place for everybody to be there. Um, yeah. I really don't know if there's the closest thing I've heard to a disgruntled AEW person is uh, Brian Cage and uh, you know his wife saying, "Give him a chance, give him a chance," and all this kind of stuff. But it's not really to the point where I think that there's somebody who's like really upset with AEW at this point that they would want to leave or AEW has found fault in somebody to just let them go because I think they're still growing and still trying to find their feet. So I don't think anybody's at risk of being released right now unless you do something really bad that could have a very bad effect on a company. Like for a long time, people thought Sammy Guevara was going to be released after the things that he did. And now, look, he's TNT champion. So, right. You just gotta. Now, I mean, it, now, it depends on how they handle now, things. Now, now, <clears throat> you as a person looking at the roster of AEW, if you were in charge, who would you first release? If you were in charge right now, who would I release? Um, I, I already know what release. your answer is going to be. <laughs> <laughs> he sees me over here laughing. He knows who I'm going after. Oh God! Who would I release? Uh, jeez, it's kind of out. Like right now, I I think I don't know. It's it's 
for one, I, I'd have to pull all of the tag teams and all <laughs> of the, the 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 groups in AEW because yeah. they've got a ton of stables. Yeah, they got a ton of stables. So yeah, they're copying that New Japan booking style. Yeah, so I would I would go there as far as who I would release as far as specifically. God, I don't know. Uh, two point I don't know. <laughs> right. You we'll already know what you're going to share. I'd either have to go Cody Rhodes with you or oh, Kenny Omega, and that's just personal. <laughs> I'm not a Kenny Omega fan. And oh, I thought you were, I thought you were going to pick Orange Cassidy. No, actually, he would be lower on the total pole than that because with me, you've got. I, I'm so tired of Cody Rhodes doing the whole Dusty Rhodes with my daddy thing. <laughs> and Kenny Omega, it's I just never liked. You know, that's just yeah. it. I like Kenny Omega a whole lot better in Japan. I really did. Now, I, I will have to say, right this is the one thing that bothers me about Omega. Omega has all the talent in the world. I mean, look mm-hmm. at his work in Japan. He was incredible. Yeah. But he's one of those guys that if you put like Shawn Michaels in the ring with a guy that was okay. They were going to have a really good match. Michaels could pull him up to a higher level. Absolutely. Omega dumbs himself down to his opponent's level. Now, -hmm. if you put him in there against Okada or Jericho or someone like that, you're going to get a great match out of Omega. Absolutely. But if you put him in there with the guy that's just okay, that match is going to be in. And, and of course, Nelson biggest says, problem. And of course, Nelson says that Chris Jericho should have gone out, should have retired when WCW went out of business. Even though he wasn't Jericho even wasn't in WCW, of, then. he wasn't even in WCW when they went out of business. <laughs> nah, he left by then. Yeah, he was yeah. what ninety nine. He made his debut in WWF. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, summer, summer ninety nine. Yeah. Yep. He, yeah, he, uh, he interrupted The Rock and then he said that the and then he interrupted the Iron Taker the next week and called him a bore. And someone <laughs> came to him backstage and was like, You don't talk about the leader of the locker room like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, you gotta you gotta say with one thing about Jericho, he has always changed and been right up there in the front, not afraid to shake people up. And look, it's been what thirty some years. We're still years. talking about it. It's been, you know? it's been thirty years. Yeah, thirty years. And I he mean, still is like, is it? We're still talking about it. And honestly, if Jericho did, if Nelson had his dream come true and Jericho <laughs> did retire when WCW went out of business, I don't think he would have AEW today. I agree. I agree. I really do. I think. Uh, I don't. Him retired. Had he retired at that time? Oh God! Just think of all the things we would have missed. Right. We would have missed Jericho being honest to be the champion. Mm-hmm. We would have missed uh, mm-hmm. the phenomenal matches he had with Triple H. And I mean, there there were there were some good ones. WrestleMania 18, for example. Um, just Jericho is a phenomenal talent, regardless of what anyone says about him. He's a phenomenal talent. And honestly, recently he was in the hospital. Like, he was sick. I don't know what happened. Wow. I, and I do agree with I, – I don't think 
if even if AEW had existed in some form, I don't think it would have got at the level it's at now without Jericho. Jericho was a name, someone you could put in front of a TV executive or an advertising group. And that's a name they recognize. He's bankable. They know who he is. The people know who he is. And that was a lot in the birth of AEW. Yeah. Now I want to ask both of y'all a question. Would you say Chris Jericho in AEW was the same as Hogan was in WCW? No. Absolutely not. I'm the reason why I'm asking is because if you look at if you look at it, Jericho was a huge international star that was in AEW. Hulk Hogan brought name identity to WCW and it started Nitro. That's the reason why I was drawing that comparison. I'm not saying they're the same person. I'm just, mm. just saying if you look at it, you know. Mm. In terms of in terms of that, I definitely say so. But yeah. when you when when I talk about when you, when you say Chris Jericho and Hulk Hogan, I'm thinking of working styles. That's the first thing I think. And yeah, everyone goes there, but I'm saying <laughs> as far as like bringing a huge international name to a fledgling company. Oh, absolutely. They would be similar. They would be similar. Yeah. But was really? Could you really count WCW as a fledgling company at that time? At that Which, time, I would. At that time, I would because they were still trying to navigate the waters and figure out who they were. I wouldn't. I I really wouldn't call them a fledgling company. I I'd say they were very well established because around, I think, because Hogan hit WCW what like ninety four. Yeah, ninety four. Yeah, I started watching NWA wrestling mm-hmm. in like eighty seven. Yeah. So. I was like, you know, and I think that between the the times of the five years or maybe the six years before Hulk Hogan got the, the WCW was some of the best years of wrestling I've ever seen. We mm-hmm. got a lot of you, stuff. Yeah, got, you and him get along perfectly. Man. Yeah, because <laughs> just just think think of all the stuff we got. Let's let's talk about like, if we just talk about like between like 88 and 94, just think about all the stuff that happened. Shytown Rumble '89, Flair Steamboat. That's like I actually one of the just greatest watched that for ever. the first time. Yeah, that's like one of the greatest matches. And then they had their trilogy. You know, Flair Steamboat, Clash of Champions. Then you had Wrestle War, and then um, Sting rising all the way to the top and becoming the World Heavyweight Champion. Um, and if you're gonna talk about that time, you cannot talk about that time without talking about Vader, because mm-hmm. after years and years of of a lot of people just kind of giving us, you know, um, just or more or less WWE giving us fan favorite champions. And after years and years of flair, we got a guy in Vader who was just a rough house and was beating the crap out of people. Right. And so because of that, I think WCW was well established. It's just that, you know, they had the money, they had the financial back and they just need to get over the hump to get the recognition the, the big time international recognition that they needed because they got it, you know, they had it in Japan, but yeah. Hulk Hogan was a, uh, 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 international star with a whole lot of fanfare. Now, the reason why I say it was a fledgling company is because I didn't really watch NWA. I came in whenever Nitro came into existence in right. 95. I watched yeah. the very first Nitro. That's when I became a WCW fan. 
you guys watched in the NWA time. I didn't. I'm just picking up on that. So <laughs> you gotta you gotta forgive me on that one. <laughs> and it's sad because he missed the best part of WCW. Yeah. Really. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I you mean, get into the 95, I mean, there were still good things that happened. And even up to the day it closed, there were still strong points and good things going on in the company. Yeah. But that time during the 80s, early 90s, mm. it was a different beast. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that was I, I mean, now that now that Peacock is around and, of course, the W Network before that, I've actually watched some 80s from the NWA stuff. And you're you, you guys are right. They had a far better product than the WWE did at that time. Yeah, because for one, a lot of time, a lot of guys, WWE guys back in like the 80s and stuff, you had like Hogan and then you kind of had like every other good guy that was something like Hogan. Don Morocco was a dude who had, like, around that time, Don Morocco had spent a lot of his time as a heel. Um, then he made the transition to be, like, a fan favorite around, like, 87, 88 or whatever. And by this time, Don Morocco, he never really had, like, a classic bodybuilder's physique, but he was always a big guy. And then he was, like, just jacked. Like, Don Morocco was jacked around that time. And so you had... Morocco, you had Hercules, you had a lot of the bodybuilder guys around that time. In WCW or NWA at that time, just before like uh, Ted Turner renamed it or whatever, um, you had guys who were big and strong. You had Steve Williams, you had Lex Luger, you had Sting, you had Nikita Koloff, but they were all fundamentally sound. Like you could get a good match out of those guys. Like Flair could wrestle those guys and they would, you know, to some degree match him move for move. And so um, that's just that that was like one of the best things about wrestling in that era. Yeah, and I'm just now getting into it, so you got to forgive me on that, y'all. Oh, that's that's cool. <laughs> it's cool because like, I, I mean, like that's that's one of the things that happened with me. Like I grew up, um, and this is you know we had wrestling that came on TV, but I grew up reading a lot of PWI and Inside Wrestling and Wrestling Superstars, a lot of those books and stuff like that. And for me, back in those days. That's how I got my dream matches. You know, a lot of times you can right. see them actually happening because a lot of the bridges have been built between organizations and, you know, the territory system is gone. Uh, for me, dream matches were just turn a page, turn a page, turn a page, and ooh and ah and all that kind of stuff. So that was pretty cool. But, um, and it just, and, and that was one of the cool things about just being in wrestling. I actually did a show with, um, with Joe Deaton, Outlaw Joe Deaton. And it was one of the best conversations I ever had with anybody in the sport. I was sitting on the floor. He was sitting on a weight bench and he was just filling in a lot of blanks from things that I had seen and read in magazines. And I was asking, well, why is this happening? Why is that happening? When you get that kind of experience and you get somebody to fill in the gaps, it's like one of the best things as a wrestling fan. You know, I, I reverted to fan at that moment. I was there for a show, but talking to him, I was just, I sat under the learning tree and just let him just give me that knowledge. It was so great. Yeah. I mean, that's how we start. We start as wrestling fans and then, mm-hmm. you know, we go on to either doing a wrestling podcast like me and Joel and you or wrestling and whatever. Just goes from there. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. It's like, well, I mean, in your case, you do. You're, you've been in the business yeah. for 16 years. You know, those who can't, you know, the old saying is, uh, those who can do do those who can't teach. In our case, it's those who can't. We sit and talk about it every Sunday. 
<laughs> well, I mean, I'm training for wrestling, so I'm doing I'm doing my part here, okay? Right. <laughs> um, but I mean, like, and honestly, I mean, the NWA, from what I've seen back in that time, had a superior product. Yeah, a lot of it, a lot of great storytelling. A lot of the things, and this is the way I've always looked at it with the. WWE versus NWA. NWA was more technical wrestling. Right. Where exactly. the WWF was more of the showman. Yeah. Yeah. They had guys the that were great in the ring. They were just, it was, it was it still more of a showman shot of it. It kind of went that way in the 90s, too, if you really look at it. Because WCW was the wrestling company. WWE was the entertainment company. That's what Vince has yeah, always said. That's that's when the that's when they coined the phrase sports entertainment was in the attitude era. Yeah, absolutely, and they they had to do it, especially after Vince went to trial, um, and not not just the steroid trial, but the commission trial. You yeah. know, he had to face the commission and everything, and uh, they wanted to regulate pro wrestling, and he just basically went in there and told them that it was scripted and he got a lot of heat for it so (laughs) instead of representing wrestling he coined the term sports entertainment to call his product something different yeah now wasn't there a a plot back in the day to kill vince when he first started his national expansion from the nwa promoters Because I, I heard that story from Jim Ross. I heard that story from Jim Ross. I don't know if it was true or not. That's why I asked you too if you guys heard about it. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised to be honest with you because he made so many enemies around that time with the national expansion because uh, his dad warned him about doing it. You know, but he had his own vision and good, bad, and different. It changed the sport. So um, I'm sure there were a lot of people who wanted to do him bodily harm. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I can. I definitely see that. I could definitely see. As a matter of fact, uh, the AWA people were the ones that were highly uh, vocal oh, yeah. about it, and uh, even offered to pay the sheik money to break Hogan's leg and bring the title back. Yeah, <laughs> you know? I think it, of of all the people in his national expansion, they suffered the worst. They really yeah. suffered the oh, worst yeah. because yeah. not only were they moving forward, but they just kind of showed how out of touch Vern Gagne was with what was going on in that day. Yeah. Well, Vern, I think Vern's problem was he thought like it was the territory system again. And he basically just relied on himself a little too much. Yeah. Most definitely. Yeah, oh God, I was reading Dawson's comment. <laughs> and yeah, I did, that was just really bad timing. Yeah. Especially with what went on around it. Yeah. But yeah. even if that was <laughs> Vince's exit, I don't think he would have stayed gone. No. 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 <laughs> I, I don't think, uh, now, honestly, I think the only thing that's going to get Vince out of the WWE is a grave. Yeah. <laughs> and, now there, and now there's a going rumor um, that Nick Khan is going to be the one to replace Vince whenever he I've heard that. It. Now, do you think know. it's true? <laughs> I mean, I honestly don't know. Part of me says yes, part of me says no. What do you I think? I really don't think. 
I don't think so. I think um, I think everything at this point is a work, <laughs> and I think he's just working <laughs> everybody. <laughs> that that I believe. <laughs> I really do. Vince works, you never know. Yeah, yeah. I, well, I, my thing was. If you think of all the work that Stephanie and Triple H and even Shane at some points, I mean, he, he does work and leave. Then he mm-hmm. comes back and, you know, rinse and repeat. But they put a lot into that company. And just to say, oh, well, Vince is retiring, so I'm going to retire too. You know, Stephanie yeah. and Triple H are young. They've still got years ahead right. of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. I mean... It's just it's just a funny rumor and I don't know how it started. And if Nick and I'm sorry to say, but if Nick Khan does get WWE, it's gonna be very, very bad. Well, no worse than they sell it to Disney. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I say at this point keep it in the family. Cause even does that okay. It, well, if they sell it to Disney, does that mean that uh Selena Vega becomes a Disney princess? <laughs> Well, Charlotte Flair's already tried. Uh, she's the frog. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, we are. Uh, looks like we're coming up out of time. Anthony, I want to thank you for uh, joining us today in this kind of insanity that we do every Sunday. Uh, Thanks for having give the people yeah, every, a every bit other of Sunday. where they can find you. Hey, um, you can just uh, find me Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok. Um, my handle is Velvet478, V-E-L-V-E-T, and the number is 478. You can find me on all platforms there. You can follow me. I'll follow you. That's how networking works. And I love to connect with people on all those platforms. No, I, your TikTok, I got to say, that's where, I, that's where I found you. And it's one of them I'm kind of addicted to. It's always got a different <laughs> wrestling question that gets into my head. And I'm like, well, crap, now I got to think this one out. <laughs> Actually, the NWA uh, question I asked you, I got from him. On okay. <laughs> it was the top. It was the top five NWA World Champions or whatever it was. World, world Television or World Champions. TV Champion. Yeah. Yeah. World TV. Oh yeah, wherever you doing asked, that now? Yeah. Yeah, and I asked I asked Joe that question that night when I saw it on your TikTok. <laughs> yeah. It have been some great ones, man. I, I think for everything Steve Austin has done in his career, his television title reign is probably one of the most underrated ever. Yeah. Yeah. And now, of course, if you, go, if you want to go even beyond the NWA or WCW, I think the greatest TV champion was probably RVD and ECW. I mean, he had a, I mean, he had a long reign with that belt. Yeah, definitely. Most definitely. But again, want to thank you for joining us. Uh, we're going to wrap up here. Anything anyone wants to put on? Uh, anything? Well, so, uh, I got some news that in January 2022, the podcast will be moving to Roku TV. Sweet. Yeah. So another, so, and uh, we are working out some new content for that when it does come up. Uh, so we'll keep everybody. Uh, kind of in the loop until we get more on that. Yeah, and so also again, in January, uh, we're going to have a two guys and a wrestling newsletter. Yes, we're bringing back the newsletters. Um, you can either have it mailed to your house or emailed. Um, 
and we're going to start doing a territorial conversation in audio format only on the podcast as well. If you want to join us, Anthony, you can. That's cool. I'd be happy um, to. Yeah, it's going to be uh, nothing but territorial conversation starting in January with Joe and me. If you want to join us, that's cool. I'm there, bro. All right. Again, thank you for dropping in. Thank everybody for watching today. I uh, hope everyone has a great rest of their weekend and a restful Sunday, and we will see you next time. Yep. Have a good one, y'all. Bye, everybody. Swirly, swirly, swirly.